0: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the First Universalist Unitarian Church of Wausau. My name is Karen Scharf, and I'm a member of this congregation. I also serve on the Board of Trustees. I want to extend a special welcome to any visitors joining us this morning. And thank you to y'all who were able to make it through the snow to join us in person. Um, and also welcome to those joining online. Since 1858, Yuyuwasa has served as a vital voice for liberal religion in central Wisconsin. We are an intentionally free society that welcomes all people just as you are, regardless of age, sexual orientation, gender expression, ethnicity, or economic situation. Wherever you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. Between Sundays, we'd love to have you at one of our classes or events, so be sure to to subscribe to the church's newsletter and follow us on Facebook or Instagram for updates. I have a few announcements for today. Uh, First and foremost, um, the annual meeting uh, of the congregation is being held after the service today. Join us in the sanctuary about 15 minutes after the service starts. So you'll have time to get some refreshments and to connect a little bit. um, But then come on back here for the annual meeting. We'd like to point out the red mugs for visitors. Have you noticed the red mugs in the the gathering space? Um, If you see a visitor, offer them one of those red mugs for coffee, tea, water. The red mug identifies the visitors as new and signals to us, uh, to the members, that we should initiate a conversation. It's also a good reminder for for us members. On December 8th, from 6 to 8 p.m., members of the congregation will be hosting the second Friday Nighters event in their home. Socialize, enjoy each other's company, and share some yummy food rsvp through the circuit writer or by visiting our facebook and instagram accounts online and finally please help the caring committee honor our homebound and elder members by delivering a holiday plant to them everything you need will be in the atrium on sunday december 10th As we begin our worship together, let us take a moment to extend peace and blessings to one another. Please rise and greet your neighbors. Now let us gather our hearts and minds for worship. Please join me in reciting the chalice lighting uh, in the order of service. We live immersed in eternity, embraced by beauty, surrounded by the sure presence of love every day is a chance to lift our eyes to the infinite sky to open our ears to the wind's music taste the cool waters touch the silk of our skin and feel the rush of our blood as it circles within us what a wonder life is what a wonder we are we light this chalice for the gift of being human being earthly and to awake to awe please rise in body or spirit for our opening hymn number 347 gather the spirit
1: This morning, our story is The Stuff of Stars. It was written by Marion Dane Bauer, illustrated by Akua Holmes, and published by Candlewick Press. In the dark, in the dark, in the deep, deep dark, a speck floated. Invisible as thought, weighty as God, there was no time, there was yet no space, no up, no down no edge no center no earth soaring with hawks scuttling beetles trees reaching for the sky there was no sky no you no me only the speck waiting waiting and then the beginning of the beginning of all beginnings went bang In a trillionth of a second, our universe was born. A cloud of gas unfolded and unfurled, zigged and zagged, stretched, collided, expanded and expanded and expanded. Bits bumped, gathered, fused, and throughout the cosmos, stars caught fire. Trillions of stars, but still no planets, to attend those stars. And if no planets, then no oceans, no mountains, no hippopotami, no violets blooming in a shady wood, no crickets singing to the night, no day, no night. The stars burned and burned and they burned for so long and so hot that some of them exploded, flinging stardust everywhere. And then the ash of those dying stars gathered into planets, and the planets circled other stars, but still no bluebirds, no butterflies, still no snails, no giraffes, still no you and no me. The planets closest to the star stayed very hot, and the ones far away grew very cold. But one lucky planet, a fragile blue ball we call Earth, was neither too far nor too near. It circled its yellow star, the one we call the sun, from just the right distance and with just the right tilt to be sometimes warm and sometimes cool. Perfect for turning that starry stuff into mitochondria, jellyfish, spiders, into ferns and sharks, into daisies and galloping horses, again and again Stardust gave birth to Stardust. Dinosaurs lived and died making room for humans, our great-great-great-grandparents, and then all before them lived and died, making room for more and more children. Then one day in the dark, in the dark, in the deep, deep dark, another speck floated invisible as dreams, special as love, waiting, waiting. Dividing, changing, growing, until at last, you burst into the world. You took a big breath of the same air that once breathed, was once breathed by bully, bully, ugh, excuse me, bully mammoths. You cried tears that were once salty seas, your hair once the carbon in a leaf. You and the velvet moss, the caterpillars, the lions, you and the singing whales, the larks, the frogs, you and me, loving you, all of us, the stuff of stars. And that is our story for today. I invite our kids from preschool through sixth grade downstairs for our children's chapel and a special project. And seventh grade through 12th grade are invited upstairs to Walker Hall for their Connections Cafe. And I invite everyone here to bless them on their way with our children's song, The words are printed in your order of worship.
2: Good morning. I'm Reverend Suzelle Lynch and some of you will remember me as a a pulpit guest with you twice before. When does that ever happen, right? I am glad to be with you. It is always lovely to be here with your congregation in this beautiful place. My husband Tom and I drove up this morning from Janesville mushing, mushing through the slush in a four-wheel-drive Subaru <laughs> just to be with you. And then you're supposed to say, whoopee-doopee-do.
3: Dope. <laughs>
2: okay now let us join our hearts and our minds in a meditative spirit. These words for meditation come from one of our Powerful ancestors, A. Powell Davies, from his book, The Language of the Heart, they've been adapted. Spirit of life and love. Spirit breathing in us and through us and all around us. Reaching out from each one of us here to touch all the others in this room and reaching beyond the walls of this place to touch all living things across our good planet Earth. Spirit of life and love, in a world so ever-changing, so full of power and beauty, so full of struggle, may we accept with gratitude all that is, and especially all that delights us, May we know that the warmth of this community surrounds us in the delight and indeed in the grief and in the struggle of our times. Let us take time to watch the morning skies and the sunset afternoons. And may the bare trees of winter encourage us to strip down pretense, and dare to be real. Let us rejoice in a community of faith and heritage and in the anticipations, the many anticipations of this season, and may this joy empower us to greater acts of service and compassion. Let us be learning always from that which we see and do and may we carry within ourselves the kindness which allows us to be neighbors with everyone we meet. We honor these longings, these admonitions, these encouragements and those in our own hearts now as we continue for a moment in quiet reflection. Spirit of life and love, let us look into our hearts this day, and may we find there acceptance, courage, honesty, kindness, and joy. Shalom, blessed be, Ashe, and amen. Please join with me and remain seated for hymn 16, "'Tis a Gift to be Simple."
0: The mission and ministry of UUWASA is made possible by the generous support of its friends and members. You can place a gift in the basket as it passes by. You can also stop by our website, uuwasa.org, to make a one-time or recurring gift with your credit or debit card. Thank you for your support.
2: The reading I have to share with you this morning comes from my colleague, the Reverend Kendall Gibbons. And this actually is a selection from an article that appeared in the Unitarian Universalist World magazine a few years ago. Kendall Gibbons writes, we stand at the shore with the waves beating out their rhythmic crash and the water rushing to our feet seeing nothing but a thin line of horizon where the sky and sea meet the distances suggest infinity the ocean's unfathomable depth and power its ceaseless primordial force and mystery the air too moves in a current and the soaring gulls catch light on their wings And something within us unlatches and expands in that immensity, catching some hint of our finitude, the oneness of all life emerging from the sea's embrace eons ago, the sovereign beauty and freedom of so much overwhelming space and light and sound. Perhaps for you, It is the stars at night. Somewhere beyond the reach of our puny, interfering city lights, the whole sky filled with uncountable rays originating from trillions of light years away. Planets and galaxies beyond imagining, made of the same stuff we are made of. And you stand amazed in the shower, of brilliance or perhaps your taste runs to the deep forest or the stunning ribbons of color in the Grand Canyon or the suspense and drama of a thunderstorm or perhaps the mystery of a small pair of sky blue robin's eggs somewhere on this planet there's a showstopper that takes your breath away and makes you tug on other people's sleeves to make them see what you see, the whirling autumn leaves with their wedding song of death and beauty, the heartbreaking call of the loon or the wolf, the nuzzling of newborn creatures after the labor of birth or the struggle of the monarch out of the chrysalis onto unfamiliar wings. For me, it's waterfalls. I could stand all day dumbstruck by the vision of such endless abundance. The living energy of creation poured out unceasingly before my eyes. It makes me want to weep. It makes me want to dance. It makes me want to fall on my knees and be one with whatever that is in everlasting praise. And here ends the reading. Thank you very much to Margaret and the wonderful choir, such lovely music. So, I was having a busy day as a minister, the kind of day some of us have more often than we would like, the kind of day I think every person has at times, Mine was a Thursday. I did some paperwork, I wrote a newsletter column, I visited someone who was in the hospital, attended a meeting of interfaith religious leaders, returned phone calls, then picked my kid up from school, dashed home hoping to get dinner and some quality time in before I had to go to a committee meeting that evening. And miraculously, it all went as planned. And then it was time to go again I picked up my briefcase, I grabbed my car keys, called out a quick goodbye, and popped out the back door. I was just unlocking my car when I looked up. And there, perched in the winter bare branches of my neighbor's tree, was the biggest, creamiest full moon I had ever seen. I stopped for a moment. Riveted in place, and yet somehow floating, and my whole body and soul sighed, ah. The words of a poem started to unfurl in my mind. I felt at one with the whole universe. I was in a state of awe. Awe and wonder and reverence. As Unitarian Universalists, we think of that experience of awe, of transcendence, of great mystery. We think of that as an important source of our faith. I love how my dear friend Kendall Gibbons put it in that reading we heard earlier. You stand beneath a whole sky filled with uncountable rays originating from planets and galaxies beyond imagining. Takes your breath away, you want to tug on someone's sleeves just to make them see what you see. Oh, yes. Have you felt that kind of thing? Anybody? Yeah. I thought you might. Phil Zuckerman, a sociologist, notes that awe and wonder are a near universal human experience. Zuckerman, interestingly, is an atheist who founded our country's first undergraduate program in secular studies, and he's totally into awe. (laughs) In fact, when people ask him what his religion is, Zuckerman doesn't call himself an atheist, He writes, the label atheist doesn't adequately capture the joy of living that I often experience, the general sense of amazement and deep almost mystical appreciation that I regularly feel sweetly, wistfully, mournfully churning through my marrow when I listen to good music late at night. See pepper trees, make love, smell autumn, remember my grandfather, act altruistically, chase my children in the backyard at dusk or take them to a rally protesting an unjust war he continues because i have a real love of life not to mention a deep sense of the profound mystery that is existence and the power that is justice the self-designation of atheist simply falls flat instead of calling himself an atheist phil zuckerman calls himself an aweist. <laughs> so what is an aw-ist, You ist you might ask? Zuckerman says to be an aw means one experiences awe and just stops there. No further interpretation or action needed. He says he doesn't need to explain or interpret the deep sense of awe he occasionally experiences. I simply enjoy it. He says, my experiences of awe don't convince me that there's some supernatural force permeating the universe that momentarily flows through my being. I don't see awe as a sign that a transcendent being or mystical energy is behind everything. I don't feel deep wonder or poignancy and then utilize that feeling as some sort of proof of God, spirits, or past lives. He continues, A mystic or spiritual person will seek out or interpret feelings or experiences of wonder, awe, as evidence of there being something more, something holy out there. But an aweist makes no such leap. An aweist just feels awe from time to time, appreciates it, owns it, relishes it, and then carries on without any cosmic, karmic, or otherworldly baggage. Now, I imagine that sounds pretty good to some of us, right? Unitarian Universalists populate a wide spectrum of belief and non-belief, and Zuckerman's thoughts about awe, they're logical, right? And we appreciate logic. In fact, many of us took refuge in Unitarian Universalism because we could not stomach the prescribed beliefs or values of other religious faiths that we might have been raised with or might have encountered along the path of our lives because we found those things illogical. They didn't make sense. Or, at worst, we found them exclusionary or oppressive. But, you know, not everyone agrees with Phil Z about the secular nature of awism. Long before Zuckerman adopted the, later, the label awist, Franciscan monk and spirituality author Richard Rohr wrote this, Imagine a religion called Aism. Instead of wasting time trying to disprove miracles, this religion would be inhabited by people who see that everything is a miracle. Richard Rohr continues, Only people who can fully surrender to things beyond themselves can experience awe, wonder, or enchantment.
3: Hmm. Hmm.
2: Looks like aweism works for people at both ends of the theological spectrum. Perhaps there's a deeper reason for claiming awe by both those who love miracles and those who eschew anything that smacks of spirituality. After all, there is science to support the conclusion that awe is important in our human lives. Dr. Keltner, PhD psychologist and founder of the Greater Good Science Center of the University of California, Berkeley, has been studying awe for many years. His team's research reveals that experiences of awe are good for our physical and our emotional health and that awe drives people to greater creativity perhaps even sparks paradigm-shifting discoveries. Awe can also help break the cycle of rumination on our problems and daily stressors, a cycle that unfortunately can lead to anxiety and depression. Dr. Keltner and his team even suggest strategies to help us have more awe in our lives, just go to greatergoodberkeley.edu and click on the bar that says, how do I cultivate it? With it being awe, of course. But before I urge you to all go out and become aweists, you could be the universalist, unitarian, aweist church of Wausau. (laughs) I need to note that there is something important missing from Phil Zuckerman's concept of Aism, there might actually be more than one thing. So let me explain that. How many of you are familiar with process theology? Yes, no, some, yeah. It's okay, you don't have to be. Process, I'll, I'll tell you all about it <laughs> briefly. Process theology is a school of thought which, like aism, contains both theistic and non theistic possibilities. But even in its theistic form, process theology doesn't posit God or the holy or the sacred as all-knowing or somehow in control. In process theology, whatever holy or divine or mystical power exists, exists in us and in all beings. It's not out there somewhere. It's in here. It's in our heads, our hearts. It's embodied. And we know, we know that divine power when we experience the expansiveness generated by love, gratitude, awe, compassion, and so on. So imagine that feeling of, ah, when we look up at a sky full of stars or that creamy moon in our neighbor's tree or are struck dumb by the water cascading over Niagara Falls, or that rush of love we feel when we're reunited with someone we love. It's that power, that is the power that underlies all of life, that's threaded through all creation. It's a power, as my colleague Kendall Gibbons noted, that makes us want to weep with joy, fall on our knees, dance, be at one. With all that is, it's a power we can feel, taste, touch, and see right in the here and now. The problem with aweism, as Phil Zuckerman describes it, is that it defines the experience of awe as a commodity, as a thing, an achievement that is, to paraphrase Zuckerman's own words, to be appreciated, owned, relished, and then we just carry on with our lives. Process theology says that he's missing the purpose. He's missing the larger purpose of awe. He's missing the whole reason we humans evolved such that we can experience awe. Because both process theology and modern science agree that awe is meant to move us beyond ourselves and into the world more deeply. Our capacity for awe is meant to inspire us to connect and extend the caring that always comes with real connection. Process theology puts it like this. The holy, which is simply a name for that energy that threads through everything, sparks up when we feel awe, love, wonder, or reverence, and it moves us outward to share that energy with other beings. That's that, let me tug on your sleeve and tell you share with you, be with you around what I'm experiencing. Dr. Keltner's research and the work of the Greater Good Science Center tells us that awe likely evolved as part of our human species emotional repertoire because it binds us to social groups and enables us to act in more collaborative ways. Being able to collaborate improved our odds for survival. Safety in numbers, you know, two heads are better than one, Keltner's studies found that awe, far more than emotions like amusement or pride, leads people to cooperate, to share resources, and make sacrifices for someone else. And still other studies have explained that being in the presence of vastness calls forth a modest sense in us, a modest sense of self which enables and empowers greater kindness toward others. So here's how uh, Dr. Keltner and his colleague Paul Piff put it. In the great balancing act of our social lives between the gratification of self-interest and concern for others, experiences of awe redefine the self in terms of the collective. In other words, despite the fact that experiences of awe and wonder and reverence feel good to us personally, feel fulfilling to us personally, they're not meant to just feed us as individuals. Their purpose is to draw us into powerful and empowering relationship with each other and with all of life. So that's what's missing for me with Phil. My, my other problem with him is that he his definition of aweism leans on privilege. If you focus your chief sense of joy and meaning on something that requires ease and access to knowledge and to the natural world, if you invest your meaning making in something that considers itself obligated to no one beyond the individual, I can't find that moral. I can't find that worthy. It doesn't fit with who I believe us to be as Unitarian Universalists. And yet, in this time of war and crisis and unimaginable human suffering, this time of deep uncertainty around the planet, in this month of so many holidays freighted with expectations and obligations and memories, both happy and sorrowful, is it wrong to seek out experiences of awe as a tonic for a weary spirit? I sure hope not. I've been asking myself this very question. Being retired from full-time ministry means I have a lot of freedom. I'm, but I'm free from things I love. I'm free from working through responses to the injustices of the world with my beloved congregation, and I miss that meaningful struggle. It means I'm free from the stress of churchly preparations for the month of December, but I miss the joy of the music and preparing for winter solstice, which was very big in the congregation I served before. I miss thinking about how will we honor Hanukkah in a time like this. How will we deck the halls? How will we surprise the children? How will we celebrate Christmas Eve? I miss these things. And with all of that, I'm feeling so nostalgic. I'm missing the times when my son was small. He's 24. It's a good thing. But I'm missing the time when he was five, and I'm missing my mom and dad, who are, of course, no longer living. So could seeking experiences of wonder and awe be helpful? Well, if I listen to my friends at the Greater Good Science Center at the University of California, Berkeley, they give me permission. They say yes, and they offer a lot of practices to try. In fact, almost every day, I do something they suggest, which is called taking an awe walk. I go out on the sidewalks near my home in Janesville, Wisconsin, and I just stroll consciously, quietly, opening my senses to everything around me, turning curious eyes on familiar surroundings, not judging, not, s- not saying, boy, that neighbor needs to put that garbage can away. <laughs> just saying, look at the way the snow Has created an object of beauty from Brian's garbage can next door. (laughs) Letting the beauty and wondrousness of even the most ordinary things I encounter, letting that in, feeds that sense of awe, fills me up, and when I do this, I return to my daily round with love and kindness and energy to share with the people in my life, with the people I meet randomly, with my cat, with my world. I wonder if you would, without walking, try a little bit of awe contemplation right here in this room. You have such a beautiful place. If you're here a lot, you might take it for granted. But when I stand here, I look and I say, So just take a moment to look around now at all the beauty around you, the three wise men in the back up there, your gorgeous stained glass here, and the faces that are around you. Just take a moment. Curious eyes, let in the wonder. shapes, the angels, the anticipation of great music coming soon, the presence of your fellow congregation members, the candle flames, each of them representing something from the heart of someone in this room. wherever you are on your life journey at this particular moment in time, I wish for you curious eyes. I wish for you many experiences of wonder, many encounters with awe and delight, and the delight of having them move you into deeper connection with the people and the other living things in your life. In this season of twinkly lights and longer nights, this season of plans and more plans and uncertainty, may you feel that greater connection to an encompassing wholeness. May you know the generous blessings of awe and wonder and reverence. May you know that they're yours to gather, to take in, but also to share. Shalom, blessed be, Ashe, and amen. Our closing hymn, actually not quite closing, is 316, Tradition Held Fast. Our words of benediction come from the Reverend Gary Kowalski. When we go, may we go in peace, speak the truth and give thanks each day. May we respect the earth and all its creatures for they are our siblings, they are alive and wondrous. May you take care of your body, it is a good gift. May you be guided by your faith and not your fear. May you live simply, be of service, and go lightly on your path. Eyes, eyes, and ears, ears, awake to wonder, heart and mind open ever to awe. Shalom, blessed be, Ashe and amen. You may be seated. Mm-hmm.